Hey, dads. You know, it's really good to see you. I know you may not hear this a lot, but uh, we love you. And we hope you understand how important and how special it is that you're here. You know, there's probably a hundred things you could be doing today, but you're here with us. And it means a lot. You don't have an easy job. Parenting comes with incredible challenges. And sometimes it's hard to know if you're doing it right. But you should know that being here right now, it's an important part. In the Old Testament, God gave this command. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. These words that I command you today should be on your heart. You should teach them diligently to your children. You should talk of them when you sit in your house or when you're walking down the street. Talk of them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall asleep at night. So what does it mean to be a good father? It means loving God with all of your heart, soul, and mind, and teaching your kids to do the same. And what an amazing example it is that you're here in the house of God, in the presence of other believers, seeking more of Jesus and worshiping unashamed. The young men and women here see you. The kids are watching, and as they grow, they'll remember and do the same. So thank you, dads. Thank you for your presence and example. We pray that God will bless you today, renew your spirit, and draw you closer to Him so you can continue to be a shining influence to all those around you. Happy Father's Day. Once again, to all the dads out there, thank you so much for being here today, man. We honor you guys today. So thankful for you. If you're jumping in late, we've never met. My name's J.D. Mangrum. I'm the uh, pastor of Christ Church Charlestown. We're a fairly new church in the neighborhood that has a heart to bring Charlestown together around the gospel. People of all uh, ages and stages of life, and certainly fathers are included in that. Hey, I don't know if you are a dad, not a dad, any of that stuff. Uh, for me, Father's Day growing up, going to church like you're here today, it was always a little bit like going to uh, show and tell in elementary school, except getting to school and realizing it was show and tell and actually not having anything to show or tell. Uh, I grew up without a dad. My parents divorced when I was really young, and so uh, Father's Day was always really difficult for me. The truth was, no matter what I was feeling, I, I wasn't totally left out in the cold. I had a mom who was a super godly mom. She raised us to love Jesus. She worked three jobs, raised my brother and, uh, and I to love the Lord. She got us to church as much as she could. Also had two grandparents who loved Jesus. This is actually a picture of them, Onus and Harriet Sanders, uh, along with their kids, Frank and my mom, Beverly, and their other son, Wayne. And my grandparents were so instrumental in me coming to faith. I also had just a lot of really godly men who were teaching me how to follow Jesus. Guys like Billy McDaniel and uh, his son, Joe McDaniel, uh, Denny Brinkman, Chuck Shaheen, Will Vinson. Even later in life, I had other men, like even my brother-in-law, Greg Jacobs, my father-in-law, uh, Warren Naylor, before he passed away. These were men in my life who were teaching me what it meant to be a man of God, to be a father, a godly father. And then truthfully, I had a dad who never really knew his dad, even though for a lot of his life, his life was he was kind of a, a bit of a mess as he was far from Christ. He was doing the best he could. And based on what he had grown up with and what he'd been exposed to, he did probably far better than I realized uh, in my youth and in my younger years. Finally, most importantly, 
had the Trinitarian God, God, the God that we as Christians worship. I had Father God who loved me. And even though I didn't understand what it meant that God was my Father, I've come to understand that now as I'm a dad. And then I had Brother Jesus who had died on the cross for my sins and uh, all my fears and insecurities. And even now, the places where I fall short as a husband and a father, he covered those by his death at the cross. And I had the Spirit of God living in me. So even though I felt like a kid at show and tell who had nothing to show or tell, man, God had done so much and has done so much in my life as it concerns uh, the people in my life and the men in my life who've influenced me. Maybe you're here today and, and you can feel a bit like that. Father's Day can be a, a bit of an awkward Sunday for an awful lot of us at, when it comes to church. Maybe you're here and you're a, a single mom and you work. maybe you're working multiple jobs, you're working hard, you're raising your kids. Some of you single moms are actually even raising sons. I want you to know as a church, we love you. We see you. Uh, we support you, we encourage you, we champion you, and we are here to come alongside you as the men in the church, wherever we can, however we can, in any way that we can. Maybe you're here and you're like me, you didn't have a dad who is an act, who played an active role in your life, and so this day can be a bit sad for you. I just want to encourage you, uh, as one who's dealt most of my life with that, that you are not a victim of your upbringing. Uh, if you even need to go to counseling, there have been moments in my life where I was uh, actively in counseling, but trying to work out my relationship with my dad and all the brokenness of it. And, and now I come to see that that was God's grace in my life. So I want to encourage you to get healthy and, and be changed and don't resent your story, but understand that God in love has allowed you to live the story that you have. And, and I want to encourage you, even maybe in the wake of that brokenness, if that's your story, I want to encourage you to understand that God wants to work in you and for you and through you to change our community and change uh, our world wherever we can. You need to be in the fight. So don't let that victimize you, not having a dad uh, in your life. Maybe you're here and you, you aren't a dad. Maybe you've wanted to be, or maybe that's just not the path that God has called you down. I want to tell you, out of those influential men in my life, two of them uh, were never dads, uh, but they understood that God had made them men and they needed to play an influential role in the lives of other uh, young men. And so I'm so thankful for them. If you are not a dad today, listen, today's message is just as much for you. I need you to hear it because as a, a godly man, I need you to be following Christ with us, coming alongside these dads and moms and teenagers and these people in our community and teaching the next generation uh, to live for Christ. Maybe you are here today and you've not been the the godly man that you could be and that and so you feel a bit like the kid without something at show and tell. Listen, I haven't been the godly dad that I should be either. None of us is perfect. I'm far from perfect. And there's so many ways with Noah and Owen that I don't always exactly get it right. So today is not a, about guilt trips. Listen, like today is hopefully encouragement and is going to spur you on if you're a dad but haven't been the best dad that you could be to this point. None of us have. And for all of us, I want to encourage us all to remember the Trinity, Father God, 
Brother Jesus, dying for our sins and our shortcomings, Spirit of God living in us and living his life through us as we follow him. And so today, listen, today's not a denial or a minimization of grace. I want you to be really clear that as I call men and call dads deeper, I'm not denying grace. Philippians 2, 12 and 13 says, finally, work out your salvation with fear and trembling as God works in you to will and to do according to his good pleasure. God is working in you and he is going to uh, continue his work in us, but we are to work out our salvation. So men, fathers, husbands, I'm going to call you today to be working out your salvation. Finally, let me say that today is not a minimization of women. It's not anything like that. It's it's not to say that non-dads can't hear this or teenagers. Listen, God has a word for all of us if we're listening and we want to hear what he has got to say to it. Today is not to exclude anyone, but it's to include and challenge the men in our church as they follow Christ. So here's the big idea today. Here's the big idea. We become like those things or people that we spend our time with. You and I in life will become a lot like the people or the things we spend our time with. Or as uh, King Solomon wrote in Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. Iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. Just kind of whisper that under your breath. Iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another. Now, some theologians have said that that has a negative connotation. You know, I had always heard that positively. But some have said sharpening in the Bible is a sort of a negative word. Like if something gets sharper, it gets harder, it gets more calloused. I don't know if that's true or not. Either way, what it's implying is that whoever or whatever we spend our time with in some way is what we become like iron sharpening iron iron against iron uh one man sharpens another you become like those that you spend time with let me pray and then we'll jump right in today father please speak to us brother jesus Thank you for your love for us, Spirit, for the Christians here watching. I thank you that you live in us. I pray that you would speak to us today. I pray that you would challenge us, God. You're not here to baby us. You're not here to enable us. You're not here to leave us in our sin. You're here to call us to lead lives of influence and to lead lives of accountability and to go deeper as we walk with Christ. So speak to us today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, let me say, like, I have the privilege of being the pastor of Christ Church Charlestown, but in my life, that's not my first or most important role. My first and most important role is just being a follower of Jesus. Jesus saved me when I was a kid, uh, before I was even a teenager, and that has been the greatest role. It's the greatest day of my life, the most important thing that ever happened to me. On April 3rd, 2004, I took on the second most important role in my life. It was when I said, I do. And Natalie Naylor and I got married. She became Natalie Mangrum. As much as I love our church, I love her more. The third most important role in my life was the days that Noah, Reagan, and Owen Sanders were born and became our sons in 2009-2012. I tell them all the time, I love you guys. I love your mom more, and I love Jesus more than I love her, but I love you third. And I want to tell you as your pastor, I love you fourth. And uh, I love I love my family, and I always want to keep those things in priority. So if you hear nothing today, hear that those are the most important things to me, and I want them to be the most important things to you as well. 
Now, uh, if you're on the fence, let me encourage you, when it comes to this idea that you become like those you spend time with, if you're on the fence about following Christ, I want to encourage you to spend some time with some Christ followers. I mean, first of all, I would encourage you to read the gospel, spend time with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, get to know Jesus, spend time in Acts and get to know the first Christians, spend time in the Psalms and hear the the songs that King David wrote, a, a man that the Bible says was a man after God's own heart. Spend time with his son Solomon in Proverbs and spend time getting to know the words of wisdom from the what the Bible tells us is the wisest man who ever lived. But even beyond that, even like drilling in, getting a little bit closer, I would encourage you, if you're not a Christ follower, to spend time with other Christians. Spend time with Christ followers. Be part of a church. Plug into a small group. Even more, spend personal time with people who are legitimately following Christ. Watch them. Ask questions. Why do you believe that? Why did you do that? Why are you orienting your money that way or your time that way? Why are you living as if Jesus is the most important person to you? Ask those questions. Ask them sincerely and consider their lives. Consider the lives of genuine Christ followers. Listen, I can recommend spending time with families or with people in our church. I grow in Christ when I see some of the people in Christ Church Charlestown. Think about Jamie Carmody. He stretches my faith when I hear him speak out of a very deep and sensible spot of believing God. Now, he's not perfect. He would tell you he's not perfect. But he stretches me. If you need a deeper faith, I would encourage you to look at Jamie's life in a lot of different ways. I love the boldness of Barb Augusta. I love the humility of Jason Ricci. I love the sincerity of Carson Tager. I love the enthusiasm of Rochelle Williams. I love the love and generosity of Carla Marrero. And there are so many other traits. I think about Renee and Scott and Vaskin. I think about Kayla. I think about so many people who make up our sweet church. And I want to encourage you that you can go and look at their life and ask them questions. Men, I want to encourage you, look at the other men in our church and follow them. I love Coach Coleman. I love the role that he takes in my life personally as an accountability partner and also in the lives of young people at Charlestown High School. If you want to know about following Christ, you become like those you spend time with. Come and follow and watch these people and how they live. If you're a Christ follower, I want to encourage you to spend time with other Christians. If you're a Christ follower and you want your kids to be Christ followers, spend time with other Christ followers and spend quality time with your kids and let them watch your life. My sons, Noah and Owen, will often ask me, Dad, is so-and-so a follower of Jesus? Now, the first thing I always tell them is, I don't know. Only God knows people's hearts. But the second thing I tell them is, uh, I don't know, like maybe we've shared the gospel with them, or maybe this is where they are on their journey, or they're not sure. I think so. Never trying to judge anybody, but my kids are deeply invested in the spiritual lives of family members and neighbors and friends and people in our church. They ask about you, and they pray for you. Why? Because we pray for you, and because we love you. Not that we're so perfect. It's just the thing that would make us happier than anything else in the universe is seeing our friends and neighbors and family members in Charlestown and beyond come to faith in Christ. Our kids have heard us hit our knees and pray for those things, so they ask about those things. They're important to our boys 
because they've been important to us. Men, who gets most of your time? Who, dads, do your kids hear you praying for? What do they hear you praying for? Or do they hear you praying? Dads, do your kids see you with the Bible? Do they see you leading them or loving their mom or all of those things? I want to challenge you men today to do those things. Left alone, two blades would each be more dull and and useless than they are together. See, I need to challenge you today, and you, you need to challenge me, frankly, because left alone, we will always be more dull than we would be together. For better or for worse, each of us will always become more in relationship with others. We were not made to live our life or faith unknown and alone. No one was made to be a lone ranger human, and certainly no one was made to be a lone ranger follower of Christ. God expects us to live and serve in a community with other believers. If you're a Christian, God has an expectation that you would be part of his family, an active, serving, leading, contributing, participating part of his family, the church. God desires for each of us to build loving, growing, positive relationships with other people. Now, we've all got some not-so-good friends. We've all got the friends who were stuck in the past, like Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite, remembering how he could have won the state championship back in 1983 or whatever the year was. We've all got friends who are mediocre in their faith journey or where they are, and so they're just treading water, and they want you to come and tread water with them. We've all got a friend who drags us down. I'm not telling you to ditch your friends in any way, but I'm telling you that God wants us to be pulling people up. And some of us have friends who are dragging us down into apathy or into trouble. And that's for people of all ages, from our teenagers up to our oldest uh, people who are part of Christ Church Trust. We have people who drag us down and aren't pulling us up. Some of those people are less, uh, those friends are less useful than Wilson and uh, the volleyball and castaway. You remember Wilson? I mean, we might be better off spiritually to just color a smiley face on a volleyball and call it a friend than have some of these friends because uh, just like iron sharpening iron, one person is made to sharpen another person and make them better, not dull them and drag them down into nothing. Listen, you and I were made to know one another and to be known. You and I were made to cut through the shallow and yet at the same time not have to go deep all the time. When I hang out with my friends, I don't want to constantly say, now what Bible verses have you read today? Or what sins are you currently putting to death? Or uh, how many times did you do this? Or, you know, I don't want to constantly have to be going deep, deep, deep. And yet I also need to cut through the shallow. There needs to be balance in our relationships. Men, dads, I need you to be spending time, even with one another, cutting through the shallow. Our tendency as men is to not be known and to kind of keep things on the surface if we're not careful. Don't have to go deep all the time, but do need to be cutting through the shallow struggles. We need to speak boldly to one another 
And yet, and we also need to grant authority to one another. And not everybody gets to be an authority in your life or in my life. Listen, uh, I have a circle of relationships, and there are some people out here, and there are some people here, and some people here. And then my wife, Natalie, is the closest to me on planet Earth. Listen, she has permission to speak whatever she wants into my life. Not everyone gets equal authority in my life. Not everyone should get equal authority in your life. And yet, we need to speak boldly into one another's lives, and we need to grant authority to do so. We need to be sandpaper in one another's life, uh, removing some of the rough edges of sinfulness and selfishness. The pain, and that's painful, difficult. Like iron sharpening iron is painful and difficult, and yet it's a grace. So when we do that, when we act as sandpaper, we need to do so with gentility and with uh, and while remaining gracious uh, with one another in humility. We need to challenge one another to grow in godliness and as we steward life. For me, I need a challenge. For, honestly, for me, there are times in, in the 21st century being raising kids in 2020 where I am letting my kids be on devices too much. I need men and other fathers who will challenge me and speak in and say, hey, how much device time are your kids having? Uh, I, I can farm my kids upbringing at times out to devices and and I need people who love me and know me who will challenge me in that I need people who know me and love me especially godly men to say hey how's your time in the word hey how are you loving your wife are you guys spending time together are you knowing one another and being known I need these challenges in my life where do you need to be challenged men fathers who who in your life has authority and permission and knows you well enough to challenge you? And are those godly men who are able to do that? Guys, I want to challenge us. I want to challenge the fathers. I want you to change the world. I want you to change our community. I want you to change our church, Christ Church Charleston. I want the dads, dads, look at me. I want you to be agents of change in our church. And yet Rabbi Israel Salanter once said, when I was a young man, I wanted to change the world. But I found it was difficult to change the world. So I tried to change my country. And when I found I couldn't change my country, I had to focus on my town. However, I discovered I couldn't change the town. And so as I grew older, I tried to change my family. Now as an old man, I realize the only thing I can change is myself. But I've come to recognize that if long ago I started with myself, then I could have made an impact on my family. And my family and I could have made an impact on our town. And that in turn could have changed the country. And we could all indeed have changed the world. Men, fathers, we need you. I need you dads. I truly do. I need us to be a generation of godly men and godly dads. Like I need us. If God leaves you in Charlestown and greater Boston, I need us to be 20 years together of godly men and godly dads. If we do 20 years together journeying, uh, leading our families, leading our church, leading our community, then we can begin to move the ball down the field. We tend to overestimate what we can do in a year and underestimate what we can do in five years. Imagine if together, men, we gave 20 years in this church and in this community. Fathers, I need you to start with your sons. Fathers, I need you to teach your sons how to pray. 
need them to see you reading the Bible. I need to see them. I need you uh, them to see you loving their mom and uh, and living the uh, with integrity as you follow Christ. I need you to learn to read your Bible and and wield it like the sword that it is. Uh, right here, if you can see it, these are my granddad's Bibles. I'm recording from my mom's house and. When my granddad passed away, she got all but one of his Bibles. Listen, they're worn out. They have notes in them. Men, I need you to get a paper or a leather-bound Bible. I need you to carry it with you. I need you to read it. I need you to open it. Sure, you can do it on your phone. I'm not saying God loves people who read paper Bibles more than uh, a phone, digital Bibles. I'm just telling you, I need you to read it. I need you to mark in it. I need you to bring it to church, take notes in it, underline in it, highlight in it. I need you to study it. I need you to wear it out. And when the cover is falling off of it, I need you to get another one. And I need you to pass it along to your kids one day. Your Bible will be your legacy in a lot of ways to your children. My grandfather certainly has been to us. I need you to learn to pray boldly. Battlefield prayers, like we're in the middle of war. Because we are in the middle of a spiritual war. I don't need you praying little prayers like you're growing a ba- like you're raising a baby lamb. I need you to pray battlefield prayers like our lives and our churches depend on it and your family depends on it. I need you to live sacrificially and boldly, dads. Sacrificially and boldly, living for high, like really high godly, high-minded uh things. Men, fathers, I need you to become deacons and elders in our church. That that ministry role of deacon, the biblical office of deacon, is not just for men. It's reserved for women as well. And so, men and women, I need us to aspire to be deacons. Men, I need you to be elder leaders in our church. I need you to be teachers and small group leaders in our church and servants and leaders in your workplace, in your home, and in our community. I need you to pray more. I need you to pray that more men, more dads will become part of our church. We need to begin to pray, God, send us 10 dads. Lord, would you send us 20 dads, 30 dads. Lord, would you send us 40 godly men, dads, and grandfathers. Will you send us 50, 60? Lord, will you send us 70, 80? God, will you send us 90? Lord, will you send us 100 fathers and grandfathers, godly men? Will you send us 100 godly men? Would you just begin to pray that with me? Maybe even as you're watching on your phone, your television, your computer. God, please send Christ Church Charleston 100 godly men and let me be counted among them as one of them. Uh, we need to, guys, men, fathers, we need to begin to help the other young men in our church and community learn to pray, learn to read the Bible, learn to tithe. Learn to live with integrity and share the gospel. And we also need to uh, teach them. We have a lot of high school young men in our church. We need to teach them to interview, fill out a college application, open a bank account, get a debit card or checkbook, balance a budget. We need to teach them to build a network, complete a resume, open like save money, honor women, ask a young woman out on a date. Uh, and then finally, and Joe McDaniel taught me this. We need to teach young men how to shake a hand and look another man in the eye. Nobody taught me how to do that as a young man. And even that is such a testament to the strength and the grace of Jesus in our lives. Finally, men, fathers, dads, we need to push back lostness in our communities, in our workplaces, by shining the light of Christ into dark places in our lives. 
There's a hymn written in 1911. It was reworded in 1981. Originally, it was written by William Merrill. Uh, it was updated by Phil Kagey in 1981. It's kind of fallen out of use in our culture. Part of it's been, ch- the name of it's been changed, but originally it was called Rise Up, O Men of God. It's been changed to Rise Up, O Saints of God, as if it's wrong for men to sing tr- songs challenging men. Can I read you the third, fourth, and fifth stanzas of Rise Up, O Men of God? Rise up, O men of God. It's not excluding the women or the young people, but it's challenging the men. Rise up, O men of God. The church for you doth wait. Send forth to serve the needs of men and Christ. Our strength is great. Lift high the cross of Christ. Tread where his feet hath trod. Men, let's take our feet where the feet of Christ have gone. As brothers of the Son of Man, rise up, O men of God. Rise up, O men of God have done with lesser things, give heart and soul and mind and strength to serve the King of Kings. Now some would say, doesn't this song exclude women? No, it includes the men. It would say, doesn't this uh, song sort of ignore the women? No, it's challenging the men. And it's putting the spotlight on the men. And it asks us, I don't know if you saw the 30 for 30 special on ESPN the other night. It's called Long Gone Summer. It's about the summer of 98 when Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa were chasing a 37-year-old home run record. 1961, uh, Roger Maris of the New York Yankees hit 61 home runs. And in 1998, McGuire and Sosa were chasing the record. In early September, McGuire hit his 62nd home run. So on the last day of the season, the 162nd game, McGuire came to his manager, Tony LaRussa, and said, Coach, I can't play. Uh, Don't put me in the lineup. I'm too emotionally and physically spent from this home run chase. He had 68 home runs, and LaRussa said, Mark, I'm not doing it. I'm putting you in the lineup because you would never be able to live with yourself if Sosa passed you. And even more, he said, as you become an old man, I never want you to wonder if you could have done more than you thought you could have. So on the last game of the season, game 162, McGuire hit home run 69 and home run 70. Such a powerful story of one man, Larusa, challenging another man, McGuire, to become everything that he possibly could you and I become like what we spend time with is iron sharpens iron so one person sharpens another let me pray for us father I thank you that in Jesus uh, we are enough and so father for the men in our church who've never given their lives to you I pray today they would turn from sin and trust Christ I pray that they would turn from sin receive your forgiveness commit their lives to follow you They're not selling out. It's not a sign of weakness in the sense of weakness that our culture thinks of it, but God's a sign of strength that they understand that they're not strong enough or good enough and they need Christ. Father, for people in our church uh, who are Christ followers, particularly the dads, the men, the, the husbands today, Lord, I just pray that they would surround themselves with godly people, first of all with Christ. I pray that they would rise up into becoming the men that you would have them become. And Lord, I pray that you would allow us to be part of great things. God, I pray that we would give heart 
and mind and soul and strength to serve you, that everything would be on the table, that we would encourage one another, we'd challenge one another. God, we don't we don't want to drag one another down and we don't want to be stagnant. Lord, we want to rise up to become the men that you've called us to be in this community at this time. So please, Lord, help us do it. Encourage our fathers today. Lord, help us be an encouragement to them as they as we celebrate and honor them today. God, may we become a a generation of men in Charlestown, men in greater Boston for the next 20 years who are going to plant your church and make our community a place where people say, ah, Jesus' people live there. In your name we pray, amen.